Oh, hello. Welcome to the Big Sky Breakdown. This is Colter Nuanez. As always, you can find this podcast, SkylineSportsMT.com. Coming to you on Thursday, December 19th. And we're doing in-season Big Sky Breakdowns in the middle of December. Christmas is around the corner, but so is the Final Four of the FCS playoffs. Number five, Montana State plays at number one, North Dakota State on Saturday. A rematch of last year's second round game. And Weaver State, the number three team in the country, picks on number two, James Madison, in Harrisonburg, Virginia, on Saturday as well. The winners will play in Frisco, Texas, in the FCS National Title Game in January. In this podcast, we'll hear from Brooks Nuanas breaking down signing day for both Montana and Montana State, as well as previewing the MSU-NDSU game and the Weber State-JMU game. We'll also hear from North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance, as well as Montana State senior defensive tackle Derek Marks and sophomore quarterback Tucker Rovig as the college football season finally winds down. It's been a fun run to cover. We're very appreciative of all you guys for listening, for reading, for talking, engaging, hitting us up on Twitter, on Bobcat Nation, on eGrizz, everywhere that we get engagements. It's been fun to be a part of it. Great seasons by both the Montana schools and Montana State season. It is not quite done. As always, Big Sky Breakdown, brought to you in part by Town Pump. Town Pump, Montana's best since 1953, no matter where you're at in Montana. There's a Town Pump near you. Here's Brooks Nuanas. Big Sky Breakdown, breaking down the class of 2020 for both Montana and Montana State, as well as previewing Montana State's matchup at North Dakota State and Weaver State's matchup at James Madison. Hey, welcome back. Big Sky Breakdown. Coulter Nuanas. As always, you can find this podcast, SkylineSportsMT.com. We keep doing football podcasts in the middle of football season. Can't believe football season continues on, but it does. Two Big Sky teams in the FCS semifinals. Montana State into the Final Four for the first time since 1984. They will play North Dakota State, the number one and undefeated Bison. Seven of the last eight national championships have gone home to Fargo and they got one more home game this year before they can travel down to Fargo South, also known as Frisco, Texas. But standing in their way will be the Bobcats. And on the other side of the bracket, James Madison, number two team in the country from stem to stern. Opening pull to now the semifinals, they'll host Weaver State, the number three seed. So we got number one versus number five and number two versus number three. So the playoff committee did a pretty darn good job seeding this thing. The one anomaly was when Austin P beat Sac State. And then Austin P came to Bozeman last week and lost to the Bobcats. We'll get into that game a little bit, as well as a preview of the NDSU-MSU game, as well as some thoughts on the Weaver State-James Madison game. But first, we welcome in Brooks Nuanas, SkylineSportsMT.com. And uh, pretty crazy week because we got the first semifinal run to prepare for since we've been covering the Big Sky, Brooks, uh, especially from the cat perspective. We've usually been covering Eastern Washington this time of year, but not Montana State. And then plop, dead set, right in the middle of it, we get National Signing Day. And uh, just our luck, Montana and Montana State got way better at the early signing day. And Montana State signed 23 guys yesterday. Montana signed 17. This used to be, you know, 10 guys. Now these schools are pretty much getting their full classes or close to it finished up. So you were in Bozeman yesterday, Brooks. You listened to the hour-long lecture class by the Montana State Bobcats staff talking about each and every one of the 23 guys. But what were just some of your overall impressions and what, what what sort of things did you get excited about the class, having heard from all Montana State's coaches 
talking about this class? It's a it's a big class. There's a lot, quite a bit of diversity. There's some Montana kids, some of which I really like, some of which I I think are really clearly development players, which is which is not a bad thing. Lots of Montana kids kind of end up in that realm. Uh, you know, Tommy Malott was the, the guy they finished with, which was I, I thought was interesting because they kind of highlighted him as the cream of the crop, the the gem of the class, which I clearly I personally agree with. But I thought it was it was very interesting of them to do that when they had some some pretty big names on on the board uh, from out of state. Uh, so Tommy Malott was seemed to highlight the class. And you're going to have to help me with this last name, but it's Brody Greb. Is that right? Greeby. Greeby. Brody Greeby. Um, he is a highlight all-star. A guy that if I didn't think twice, I would have kind of forgotten about. Not in the sense that he's not a tremendous player. It's where did that guy go? What did he do? Oh, he went to a prep academy. That's right. Where's he going to go? He's going to go to some Ivy League school. Yeah, what a great story. I remember his highlights. They're fantastic. No, he signs with Montana State. Surprised me. When I was looking down the sheet before Jeff started talking, I was like, hey, look at this. Good class. Didn't pass over him. Didn't even think about it. And then when they popped his picture up on the big screen, I was like, no shit. That is a really good signing because that guy is athletic as it gets. Impressive player. Um, I know his dad is an awesome guy that has, has really helped uh, cultivate his son's athletic career. And, and they've gone after it. They've done some really cool things as far as the prep school goes and, and, and attempting to get big offers, which he did receive. Ends up coming kind of back home in a way. I know a, a kid with a cowboy background to Montana State. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, the number one punter in the country, you know, what a signing. You know, how do you get the number one punter in the country? B.J. Robertson shows his recruiting chops again. Um, so, you know, a lot of projections, a lot of, uh, of highlights and, and, and stats on paper. We'll see how these kids develop. Overall, pretty good class. I like some of the Montana kids, and I thought the punter was a highlight as well. Brody Greeby first landed on my radar because we do some statewide stuff on Tutel and Nuanas, both in our prep extra segment, but also in our daily sports centers. And this kid went to high school in Melstone, Montana, Class C school outside of Roundup, east of Billings. And some of the stuff that he was doing, it was just undeniable. You had to write about it. You had to talk about it. He scored 3,500 points in basketball. Like, what? How? What? <laughs> he, 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 he was one of the top ten scorers in the history of the state of Montana, career-wise, in basketball. I heard yesterday and got confirmation yesterday that he got he was getting recruited by Brian Fish, who hardly ever recruited in state in Montana for hoops, and that Danny Sprinkle in fact offered this kid a basketball scholarship. He goes to a prep school in Connecticut, which in the most ironic thing I've ever heard is called Choate Prep School. How? How do you go to the other side of the country and go to Choate Prep School and then end up coming and playing for Choate? Amazing. But then the kid had perhaps the greatest peak I have seen in at the high school state C track meet last year, this kid PR'd in the 100, the 200, the 300-meter hurdles, the shot put, the discus, the javelin, the long jump, and the triple jump in the same meet, PR, every single one of those events. The kid's six foot three, 220 pounds. He ran an 11-1 flat in the 100 meters, 22.82 in the 200 meters. Those are both good times, really good times. But then he just went off in some of the other stuff. He threw the shot 51-7, which was a PR by almost two and a half feet. He threw, he high jumped six foot four, 
Long jumped 21.8.5, PRing by almost a, a full inch and a half. Triple jumped 45.675, a PR by five and a half feet. Unbelievable. Those track numbers are are up there with anybody in high school. I mean, if you're a 45-foot triple jumper and you love it, run an 11-flat 100 and you can long jump 22-plus feet, you're competing for medals in the AA level, let alone the Class C level. And then you add to the fact that he is six foot. Dude, you're getting you're getting a scholarship to a Pac-12 school if you do that. Hundred percent, man. And so the fact is, this guy's a D1 basketball player, a D1 track athlete, and now officially a D1 football player. What a story from Melstone, Montana. And Choate called him the cherry on top. And and you have to agree because like kids like that, when you're that productive, that prolific, but also presumably that raw. You talk about upside, you're not going to find a dude with better upside than that. A dude that can go out and PR like that in his last high school track meet in such crazy fashion, and then you throw him in the weight room for a couple years, we'll see what he becomes. But they were talking about how he might play right away. They mentioned him as maybe a wildcat quarterback type of guy. Um, I mean, to me, he just seems like poor man's Troy Anderson. And so, we'll, I mean, that's obviously lofty shoes to fill, but I thought he was a really – I don't know how poor, man. I don't know how poor – poor. I don't totally. know if he's poor man. Totally, man. I mean, the fact is, if you're a Division One basketball recruit who also has those sort of track numbers, but you can play defensive line in college football, there's. I just never really thought of. I've never really seen a guy like that. But I love Troy, man. Troy's got a ton of bounce. Troy has amazing speed. Troy does not have a forty inch vert, and Brody does. And I've seen it. I mean, I've watched his basketball highlights are just silly, man. It's just you don't get a D one scholarship if you're a six three white dude from Melstone if you don't got bounce and bounce. If anyone who doesn't know, jumping, if you can triple jump 45 feet, it means you're fast. Jumping and speed are the exact same thing. Clearly, this guy is a burner. I mean, I love everything about it. I couldn't believe I saw his face on the, on the, on the big screen. Did you know this was going to happen? Uh-uh. No, I had no idea. Absolutely none. I, I was totally yeah, it was shocked. Tremendous. It was absolutely the most stunning recruiting thing I've ever seen. And I besides, can't wait to Besides hear. Garrett Marino. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I could see that. I can't. I can't wait to hear what 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 these what what him and his family think about Choate and why they made this decision. I mean, Choate said that he had multiple offers, and I would assume they're full rides because I don't know how else it would happen to all of the Ivy League schools. I mean, if you have a full ride to Yale and Harvard, and I mean, it's a pretty big get for Choate. One hundred percent, man. Uh, as far as the rest of this class goes, the question I always get asked by. Everybody and their mother, the day after, day of and day after signing days, everybody always wants to know who won the state, who won in-state recruiting. And I think that this year, more than any other year, I think that there was a couple different factors here, but I think that there were 17 kids from Montana that signed, including Brody Greeby and, and Shaden King, who were both, Shaden King from Big Timber, who actually gray-shirted last year. Both those guys will join the team. In January, so if you look at guys just from the class of this this high school class, the class of 2020, there was uh, eight guys from Montana State, seven guys from Montana. I think more than any other year, I think it was split right down the middle. I think there was two reasons for that. I think that one, I think you had a lot of kids on both sides that were just signed, sealed, delivered, going to be what they were going to be. Like you look at Drew Deck and, and Henry Noose from up in Glacier, those guys were just going to be Grizz. That that they they are from Grizz families. They they were just going to be Grizz. You look at Carson Rostat, the Gatorade Player of the Year two years ago from Hamilton. I mean, he's Jordy Tripp's cousin. He's from Hamilton. He was going to be a Grizz. Then you look at 
some of the Bobcat guys. I mean, Jake D'Agostino, I know he moved to Bozeman from Alaska, but his whole family is from Bozeman. The, I mean, the weight room's named after the D'Agostino family. We had multiple guys in the early 90s that played for the Cats, and then we've had several, including most recently Johnny D'Agostino, that played for the Cats recently, too. And then you look at, like, Makeda Riley, his older brother, plays for Montana State already. And so I think there was a lot of ties that were entrenched. I mean, Connor Ryan is Cy Ryan's son. His dad played for the Cats. Trey Yates is Tucker Yates's brother. His brother played for the Cats. So ties on both sides. And I think the other thing that made it kind of split down the middle is usually getting the, the offensive or defensive player of the year from AA is a feather in your cap. Well, this year, the defensive player of the year, Kenneth Iden from Bozeman, is a junior, and that's a rare thing too. So he was not available to be signed. And then you also look at getting the Gatorade Player of the Year. Usually that guy's a feather in your cap in recruiting. Well, there was two of them available for the first time in a really long time. I think the last time a junior from Montana won Gatorade Player of the Year was back when Dave Dickinson won it. So uh, it's been a long time since Car- when Carson Ross had won it. So you got Gatorade Players of the Year on both sides too. So I think that this year more than ever the in-state recruiting was – was split down the middle, and I also think this year there's so many of these in-state kids that are just pretty solid, but largely developmental guys. They're not. There's not any big-time splash, Gabe Solser, Troy Anderson type guys that are going to play right away. So I thought that the in-state recruiting was kind of just split right down the middle. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I, I didn't love. There wasn't a ton of offensive line um, recruits. I think that the you know Trey Yates being the, the legacy kid coming after his brother Tucker. I think that's a great get. You just know the, the level of effort you're going to get from a guy that, you know, it's different when your dad played and you never saw when your dad played for the Caps. So your dad played for the Grizz. You were you were a, a, a glimmer in their eye, as our parents like to say. Trey Yates was there at Khaki watching his brother. He knows right. what it takes. He also has, like, this legacy to live up to, like, immediately, right now, because Tucker Yates is so fresh in everyone's mind. So I like I like that I, I think that that's a, a great get obviously it's a gimme but like I think that that's a, I think he's a good player um, I also think that uh, Tommy Campbell was a good get was a good get I'll be interested to see the Connor Ryan kid I know he can run really well um, another legacy kid as you mentioned I like the guys who can run so well I, I like to see how that translates um, so yeah overall I thought the I thought it was pretty split I like you said they're almost kind of gimmies on both sides. I'll just read through a couple of things because I know you don't have the list in front of you, but any I know that you kind of just got a, a brief introduction to a lot of these guys, but Miles Jackson, the defensive back from Portland, um, Max Lindsay, the the other DB from Portland, um, Aiden Parks, the outside linebacker from Chico, California, Jalen Renning, the running back from uh, Visalia, California, uh, Peyton Thornton, the tight end from Vegas, we're going to call him Danny U for now, the uh, the alphabet soup of a last name, outside linebacker from Puyallup. Any of those guys that really popped in the film or that you thought was, uh, you're like, well, this guy could be an impact guy? Yeah, I thought so. I thought Lindsey was, was impressive. You know, he had 20 picks in three years. That's, right. that's just production. You just, it doesn't matter what level you play. You could play it small. You could play six-man football. I don't, I don't care. You get your ball in the hand, your hands on the ball 20 times. In three years, that's that's a it's a playmaker. I I loved that dad. That, that me over me without throughout the entire recruiting process and and, and their press conference yesterday. I thought Charlie Brown, uh, Jaden Smith's cousin from Texas. I thought his stats were tremendous. Man, thirteen hundred and twenty-two yards and sixteen touchdowns. I mean, those are big time numbers. Average twenty-two point eight yards per catch. Um, I thought the Miles Jackson kid was also interesting. Another DB out of Portland, uh, state champion, 
you know, they talked a lot about how they saw him on film in six different positions. You know, he played running back, receiver, kicker, turner, nickelback, cornerback, safety. I love versatility like that. They do as well. I think that kind of stuff always translates to college really well. Um, my favorite guy in the whole entire class outside of, uh, of Grebby was, was Danny Yu. I think Danny Yu's a git. I think that, you know, you get the Seattle Defensive Player of the Year. I can't remember what they call that. Is it the King County? or King County, yeah. Whatever they, he was a King County Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I love his raw muscle. Like, the, the photos of him, a little bit of the film that I've watched, he has that real dry muscle. I, I think he probably has a Samoan Islander background, which is always kind of a those big round uh, muscled guys that are, that have so much ability to put on weight. I thought this guy was a little bit leaner and a little bit drier muscle. Everything about him. I liked. they're going to put him on the edge. They're going to put his hand in the dirt. He's not going to play outside linebacker. He's going to play buck or even play strong end, depending on his weight. I really liked him as well. Um, and I thought it was really interesting that Aiden parks kid, um, you know, choke called him versatile. He compared him to back, 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 back big now, hmm. which is, you know, a big comparison. Um, but his dad played at Stanford and played in the NFL for a multitude of years. Um, you know, those kind of things, those, those are really great legacies to drop down. You talk about you know, Stanford's been a football program to be proud of for its entirety. And then you go play in the NFL for a long the duration. Um, and then Choke talked about how much his family loved Bozeman, how much his dad pushed it, you know, was on board with this program. Those kind of things are so helpful, um, being such a family-run program, to get an NFL guy in your back pocket. It's you know, something that stood out to me as well. Worth noting, too, Charlie Brown, Charles Brown, who is Jaden Smith's cousin from Arlington, Texas, he's going to be an early enrollee, which is the first guy I have any knowledge of that's going to be a mid-year guy that's a freshman. That's a very FBS thing. You know, Ohio State and Florida, they're often encouraging guys to graduate early so they can get them in in January and get them into spring ball. I mean, most infamously, Aaron Hernandez did this at Florida, but it's happened all over the place. Travis Johnson did it when he was at Oregon before he ended up transferring to Montana State. But interesting that they're they're going that route, and also interesting that this kid was academically ready enough that he'll be able to, to come and join them right away. Uh, last question for the Cats, and I just want to ask you one broad question about the Grizz before we get into these playoff matchups. Uh, but but Montana State continued to load up on quarterbacks, and Jake D'Agostino, who led Bozeman High to the AA State Championship, he's going to actually be slated to play defensive back. But Tommy Malott, the Gatorade Player of the Year from Butte, who led Butte High to the, the State Championship game where they lost to Bozeman, He's going to get a chance to start out at quarterback. I watched him live. I think he's a really intriguing prospect. He really reminds me a lot of Davis Alexander from Portland State. He's really competitive. He's actually probably even more athletic than that. Davis Alexander was a good athlete, but I think that Malat's probably even more athletic than that. But he's one of those guys when he throws on the run, he's got a lot of pop in his arm. I mean, he really he throws a really good ball. That thing whistles. But then they also brought in Matt McKay, a drop down. From North Carolina State, six foot four, two hundred eleven pound junior from Raleigh, North Carolina, and uh, he looks the part all day long. And I just want to get your thoughts, Brooks, just on the quarterback room in general because Tucker Rovick's played better the last month. Ruben Belchan into the transfer portal yesterday. Casey Bauman's still on the roster. Uh, Blake Thielen's still on the roster. Johnny Knight's still on the roster. You add Malat, you add McKay. Where are you at with the Bobcat quarterback room? Certainly interesting. I know Choate talked about it being such a it'll be such a good competition. I, I you know I worry about it a little bit for Tucker Robig because because what happens if if you know McKay wins that job and then gets hurt and then Robig's that guy again? I mean, how much can a kid really handle? Right. We give him a lot of we give him a lot of grief, you know, for being this or throwing like that or being this kind of leader, being too young, being too shy, being too. You got to give a kid a chance and. 
right. to succeed. And, and they, now they that he's had him, a chance, he's actually been better, right? He's been he's been great, man. They're in the national semifinals. You don't have that. You don't. That doesn't happen by the guy who touches the ball every damn play being bad. It doesn't happen. Right. It's impossible. I mean, like we give a lot of flack to Jake Constantine at Weber. It's the same thing. I mean, the guy could play. He may not be great. He may not be prolific. But if you ask him to do something and he can do it, it's really hard to take away the job from someone who has those abilities. But overall, I think Matt McKay is a dynamic player. I mean, you don't start in the ACC as a sophomore. Um, you don't score touchdowns. You don't throw for touchdowns. You don't be efficient if you're not a player. Uh, I, I like his demeanor, the way that Choke talked about him, at least. Uh, the quarterback room, it's so young right now that there's you can't assume that if you have a junior, a junior, a sophomore, and two redshirt freshmen that some of those guys aren't going to transfer. Um, you know, there, there's no way that you can play all those guys all at the same time. Uh, so overall, I think the quarterback room is still in flux, and I still I don't know why you'd always choose to put a question mark on that position in this program. It's been such a constant. But I think that if you do think you want to win a national championship and you don't think you can do it with Tucker Robig, then you go get Matt McKay. But this is my thing. is If Tucker Robig goes out and beats NDSU, with his teammates, but he is the leader of a team that beats NDSU, and they go to the national championship and they win it, and you bench him. I mean, th- I would probably try to contact Tucker Robig and tell him to transfer. <laughs> no doubt, it will be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, and Brooks, I know you weren't in Missoula; I was for Montana's signing class, so I know you're not quite as familiar with these guys. But uh, Montana, they signed 17 total guys. Uh, to me, some of the better guys that I saw that they got, Brandon Casey, an uh, offensive lineman from Sandpoint, Idaho. They had to fend off Oregon State late to get him to sign. They got a pair of skill guys from Oxnard, California. Oxnard's always had great football talent. Aaron Fontes, a wide receiver, and Xavier Harris, a running back. Those guys are pretty good. I've heard nothing but good things about Henry Noose. He's a guy that really went under the radar at Kalispell Glacier as a defensive end. He's six foot four, 240 pounds. He doesn't have social media, and I think that that sometimes makes guys – go underneath the radar, and he was not on my list. I thought the Grizz were going to sign 14. They signed 17 because there was a couple guys that were similar to that with no social media. So I think he's a good get. I enjoyed talking to Jackson Lee yesterday down at Missoula Sentinel. He's an undersized guy, and I don't really know what position he's going to play at the college level. I don't know if he's got the size and the frame to play running back, but maybe he can transition to a slot receiver or some form of a receiver. But either way, I thought he was a really respectful kid. He Good handshake, looked me right in the eyes, and I thought that was impressive. Uh, Chase Johannesson, the linebacker from Park City, Utah, uh, is a guy that Bobby Howe compared to Brock Coyle, which is really lofty, and I think that it's been interesting to see how often Coach Howe has compared signees to previous players. But he said that Jacob McGoring was like Croy Beerman, and then I was like, uh-huh, good one, Coach Howe. I don't believe that. And then the first time you see McGoring, you're like, well, shit, he's actually bigger than Corey Beerman. He's only a true freshman. He's a beast. So maybe these projections are that accurate. We'll see. Uh, the interesting part about this, as far as the in-state guys, Asher Croy, who rushed for 333 yards in the state championship game, is actually slated to play linebacker. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, the other in-state guy I thought was really intriguing was Journey Grinsrud from Huntley Project. He's a really long-levered guy. Uh, long and lanky, but still 6'3", 235 pounds. And he looks like a great developmental project. He's a state championship track guy in the discus and the shot. So you know he can move his feet. He's got good balance as well as having uh, some good upside. But the gem of the class, or at least the guy that's going to get the most headlines, is Carson Rostat, the, the quarterback from Hamilton. And 
Brooks, you've been up at close and personal to Coach Alex's program, and you know how important the developmental aspect of it is, as well as just the fact that the Montana dynamic, it exists stronger within that program than, than any other coach that has been in any of the other schools. He's so good at getting the small-town Montana guy to win the job and then become the star. And uh, I think that if they could really get a group of Montana guys like they had his last tenure, that they could really make moves. But I think, to me, one of the focal points of that is going to be Carson Rossett. So having a quarterback from just down the road in Hamilton, Gatorade Player of the Year, what do you think of that addition and just what it might mean for the future of Grizz football? Well, that kid can let it up. You know, I, I knew him when he was seven and eight years old. It's really, it makes me feel old to, to see him on a list like this. Uh, he, he's a player. He's athletic as he gets. His understanding of the program is obviously deep. Been around it his whole life, which, you know, there's a level of importance. There's a level of accountability that comes with that, especially at the quarterback position. I can't think of a guy, you know, I know Gustafson was around, uh, around Montana for most of his life, coming from Billings West back in 2015. Um, I can't really think of a guy that's from the Missoula area or the greater Missoula area that has played quarterback for the Grizz. I think it's a really interesting dynamic, and I think it's really exciting for you know Grizz fans to be able to root for for someone like I mentioned with Tucker Robig. You know, a guy who has his ball, the hands and the ball in his hand each and every play. Being a local kid, that's hyper local. I don't know how many times it's happened. I think it's pretty darn exciting uh, for Grizz Nation. What do you how how do you break down Carson Rostad? And I also have the question for you of Tommy Malott or Carson Rostad in an open playing field. Who you take? Man. Well, so it's so hard to evaluate because, first of all, I covered Bozeman High in the semifinals and the finals of the state playoffs this year. I was so impressed with how complex, not not complex, how advanced their defensive scheme was. Very advanced for high school. I thought it was, it was really, really good. And I thought Tommy lot he did get crossed up a little bit in the state championship game, but I thought he did really well against an advanced scheme. I, I Full disclosure, I've never seen Carson Rostad live. I've seen him live I went to Marty Morningweg's quarterback camp this last summer, so I saw him throw seven on seven and stuff like that, do drills. Carson Rostad's way more of a prototype. He's 6'3, 215. He looks like a quarterback. Tommy Watt looks like an athlete. But as we've seen in all levels of football now, I mean, look at how many five foot eleven quarterbacks there are even in the NFL, let alone in the big sky. I mean, all the best quarterbacks right now in the big sky, whether they're Dalton Sneed or Eric Berrier at Eastern Washington or Jake Mayer at UC Davis or Davis Alexander at Portland State, they're all six feet tall. So the 6'5 guy doesn't matter because a lot of the 6'5 guys are not nearly as good as the, uh, you know, with the exception of Case Cookus, most of the elite quarterbacks in the big sky are short. So I don't know if that necessarily matters, but Rossett looks way more the part. I think Malat's a better athlete. Uh, but Rostad, all the film I've seen, they're running an incredibly diverse and complex and advanced offensive scheme in Class A. And that league that they're playing in the Southwestern A, you know, Frenchtown's pretty good and Dylan's good, but Steve I and Corvallis are not. And so he's throwing to wide open guys all the time. So I have no idea how he's going to do when he has to like make reads and go against defenses and stuff like that. But he looks the part for sure, and he's a great athlete. I mean, he's not just a, a pocket guy. He rushed for thousands of yards in his Bobcat career, or excuse me, in his high school career. So, um, I don't know. I guess the tail of the tape remains to be seen between uh, those two guys. But um, I, I do think that both of them are good. And it, you're right, it has been 
a while since there's been a local guy. I mean, probably the the great, the best, most recent best local quarterback for the Grizz is John Edwards. Uh, you know, they had guys like Justin Hartman and Kyle Sampson, and those guys never really panned out. And at the Bobcat side of things, Jake Bleskin's probably the most successful recent guy. But they haven't. Besides that, they have not had an in-state guy in a long time since Rob Compson, probably. And obviously, the greatest in-state quarterback is the greatest quarterback period in the history of the Big Sky Conference. That's Dave Dickinson. But as far as Missoula guys, you're right, Brooks. I think that. I mean, Levi Janicaro and Mitch Roberts are recent guys that have played quarterback in Missoula, but they play different positions now for the Grizz. Casey Cordial is probably the, the from Sentinel, who was a backup guy on the Grizz. He's the most recent Missoula guy I can think of. So it is it is rare to have a a local product uh, at quarterback that's committing to these two schools. Coulter, the weather has turned. It is gnarly out there. It's gnarly on the roads. But in Montana, that doesn't keep us home. We go everywhere we got to go. You and I always travel in for football. I'm going to be headed to some other places for Christmas, all this kind of stuff. You know what gives me comfort? I know that I'm always about 11 feet from a town pump superstore. I mean, no matter where I am in the state of Montana, you got gasoline, you got all the refreshments you need, the kids got to have, you know, a, a, a packet of gum, some chips, some water to keep them going, to keep them satiated and satisfied in the back seat. And you know what other S word? Silent. Shut them up, those kids. You go to town pump and you got yourself some peace and calm in the van ride. I, sh- I should pay them $1 million for what they've done for me. I always set up that town pump right when you get over Homestake Pass. I write in rocker there because yeah. I always run out of the spray fluid for the windshield. And the mm. semis are spraying on you. When it gets cold and icy and snowy like this, you got to have the right fluids in your car. And town pump's got that covered as well. And sometimes you need a beer for after the drive. So get yourself a six-pack, drink it when you get home, behave yourself. But it is. It's a great place no matter what you need. Fuel, food, caffeine, water, anything. And who knows, maybe you throw a dollar in the machine, you walk away a winner, too. I mean, you got all these different ways to recreate, stretch your legs on the highways. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a town pump near you. Town pump, Montana's best since 1953. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about some All-American stuff, but we're already 27 minutes into this thing. So let's just jump right into the playoffs. Montana State at North Dakota State on Saturday. Um, I listened to all the press conference stuff. I, I helped you prepare some questions and everything. But you just get a better vibe when you're sitting in front of the people that are doing the interviews. What's your vibe out of Bozeman so far, Brooks, in terms of confidence level or lack thereof with Montana State going to the semifinals for the first time in 35 years? Yeah, I I think there is a level of confidence. You know, they've they the elephant in the room is what they keep calling it. They've seen NDSU, they've felt it, they've touched them, they've been to the Fargo Dome. Does that help? I mean, I certainly think it helps with nerves. Does that help you perform better? Does that help you have more talent overnight? I don't think so. Um, I think that they're much. Uh, Shote hates the comparisons of this year and last year. I think clearly they're in a much better place this year with health, uh, with talent, with depth. Overall, I think all of that helps a ton. I still think that the spread kind of lies where it is. and It's a 17 points right now, and I think it's a little bit tighter, probably a closer game than that. I think that they have a puncher's chance, man. I mean, this is the most beatable North Dakota State team I've seen in in seven or eight years. Mostly it starts with the running backs, who are all dynamic, good players, but they do not have Bruce Anderson or Lance Dunn or 
John Crockett, or they don't have one of those guys. I think Ty Brooks is a pretty good player. Is kind of their feature back, even though they run a three-headed monster. But I don't think that he's much better than, than a Logan Jones. I mean, I think his his comp is very much like Logan Jones, who's not even close to the best running back on the on the Montana State Bobcats. So while I think they have so much talent, especially up front offensively, uh, both fronts are going to be you know the key to the game. And, and I think North Coast State has a, an advantage in almost every position across the board. I still think the Cats can keep it close. Can they make a play? Can, does one of their trick plays, which they're almost guaranteed to run, does one of the tight end flip screens or one of the reverse passes or one of the fly sweep motions, does one of those plays hit? Because they've used them in almost every big game they've ever played in under Choate. That's probably seven or eight games. They've used a fake play, a trick play, a fake uh, this or that. If one of those plays hits, I think that that could be the catalyst. If they don't, and North Coast State plays them pretty straight up, and it's just kind of 50-50 across the board, some stuff works, some stuff doesn't, everything looks pretty base, they have to stay pretty vanilla, I think it's going to be a long day for the Bobcats. It's so fascinating because North Coast State's maintained the same identity for the the entire decade. But I think that the one undertold part of it is that while they've had the the big, strong, corn-fed linemen and the tough, high-execution-level, high-football IQ-type guys throughout their defense and on both their offensive and defensive lines. They've also had unbelievable athleticism at the skill positions. You look at Lance Dunn. I mean, he's one of the fastest players in the country. Bruce Anderson was a first-team All-American kicker turner while also being uh, lightning in a bottle at the running back spot. Darius Shepard has fielded punts in NFL games for the Green Bay Packers this year. He was their big play guy on the outside. And, you know, you look at the previous North Dakota State teams and guys like uh, John Crockett, the running back, and they, they just had a bunch of really good speed at the skill positions too. And I think Ty Brooks, Adam Cofield, those, those guys are good, but they're not the same, and I agree with that. I think that that's definitely somewhere where they lose some. The other thing is, though, that Trey Lance is probably the best athlete they've had at quarterback. And Carson Wentz was a great athlete, but Trey Lance is an even better runner. Uh, he's a really good improvisational-type quarterback, and he takes no risks. He has not turned the ball over one time in 14 games as a freshman, which is just so, so, so uh, impressive. Um, but I agree with you. I do think that there is a certain element of vulnerability. I mean, Derek Tuska is a great player on the edge. Jabil Cox is a great player an outside linebacker, but they don't have that Nick DeLuca-type banger in the middle. They don't have the Greg Menard-type veteran edge rusher. They don't have a four-year starter at safety like Robbie Grimsley. So they they don't have the same headliner guys as they've had, and I think that just means that this next group is going to develop into that. But some of them already (laughs) are that. I mean, like their tackles right now, those two guys are both in their second year starting, and their first-team All-Americans as juniors. So those guys are going to be multiple-time first-team All-Americans by the time next year rolls around. But all that said, I do think it is a different North Dakota State team, even though the results have been uh, largely the same. One thing I learned, though, this week, Brooks, I thought was very interesting. Uh, Jim Colhane, who's the play-by-play guy for North Dakota State, he told me that their strength coach, Coach Kramer, has been the same strength coach since 2004. And I think that is the most interesting thing I've learned about NDSU because I kept trying to figure out why have they been able to just sustain this unbelievable level of success. And Colhane was saying that Kramer even has a, a say in recruiting. So he 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 helps them identify the right body types, especially when it comes to their linemen. And then he can go out and chisel those guys and develop those guys. And I think that's why you, you don't – I mean, a lot of times at the FCS level for – I mean, 
lack of b- being able to say it any way but harsh. You see a lot of bad body linemen, and they don't have any bad body guys. They have nothing but the 6'6", 295-pound guys that are not fat. They're they're big. They're just big and strong, and they can chisel them. Like you look at their mug shots. None of these guys have fat faces. That's the most that's the most telling part. There's not a bunch of fat faced linemen. They just look like power forwards on a basketball team instead of instead of offensive tackles. So um, I think one thing that's just so underrated in college football is the the weight room culture, the strength and conditioning programs. How much of an influence when you hear that? I mean, how much does that make you understand North Dakota State more? It's everything, man. It's the catalyst. Like when you said that, it's like, well, there it is. That's there it is. It. It's the consistency. I mean, it's college football is 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 way more of a weightlifting sport than it is anything. There's a lot of teams that like to practice a lot. You know, I know Montana State does quite a bit. They practice in pads quite a bit. They do a lot of team activity and full contact quite a bit. There's some teams that don't. There's a lot of teams at the FBS level that do not do that very often. You spend as much time in the weight room. I mean, you got to think that you put in 15 spring practices, maybe, I think 15, maybe 20 in some level. So it's 15 spring practices, 20 fall camp practices. We'll just do it for round numbers. You're talking about 30 practices a year outside of the season. And during the season, you practice once or twice a week where you're not doing walkthroughs, you're not doing your weird Tuesday review or something like usually Wednesday and Thursday is a full practice. In a, in a 12-week season, that gives you another 30 practices. So you practice 60 times a year, maybe 65, up to 70. You're in the weight room 295 times a year. So, I mean, as much of a weightlifting sport as it is anything, and that makes so much sense the continuity of this pro- of North Coast State's program lying within the weight room. It, it, I thought it was one of the most interesting things that I've heard and one of the most interesting things that I've learned. Um, you, we talked about all the differences on the Montana or on the North Coast State side of things, but on the Montana State side of things, they're different too. A new quarterback in Tucker Rovig. I think you'd probably want Troy Anderson back for this game, but that's here nor there because he's likely not going to play. I think that you have a, a year older and a year meaner in terms of your offensive line. Same personnel, but better guys. Every single one of those guys has gotten better. Mitch, Mitch Brott's an All-American type guy now. Lewis Kidd, Taylor Tuiasopo are all Big Sky type guys. Connor Woods an all Big Sky type guy as well. I think you got more depth at running back with Logan Jones back in the fold and Isaiah Fonse playing lights out like he has the last three weeks. Kevin Cassis is a better version of himself. Um, and then on defense, everything is better. Uh, the linebacker play is better. You're not playing with a really hurt Grant Collins. You're not playing with a really hurt Tucker Yates. Bryce Sturk is way more healthy. Derek Marks' move to the inside has been uh, a revelation. He's been tremendous. Amandre Williams' addition to the defense has been awesome. Um, you know, Daniel Hardy has filled in more than adequately for Troy Anderson at outside linebacker. Callahan O'Reilly has been a uh, really big surprise in terms of uh, his play at inside linebacker. So just defensively, though, Brooks, I mean, how about, where do you see the Bobcats' improve, improvements since the last NDSU matchup, and how do you think they match up against an offensive line with three All-Americans and uh, one of the only rushing attacks that has four ball carriers over 600 yards this year? Well, I think they match up really well because I think that they're one of the two or three best defensive fronts in the in the country. Um, I think where their weakness lies, it's probably still at the inside linebacker spot, though I love what the, what those guys are doing. Callahan O'Reilly's had just a tremendous year. I mean, I can't tip my hat more to somebody than the transition that he's made and the effort that he's put in. Um, it's a really, it's a, it's a 
a, a tall task that he has undertaken to lead the Bobcats in tackles. Uh, and Josh Hill, you know, another guy that is if healthy, which he has been and continues to be, is is a is a playmaker. You know, a guy that was first team all league in the Big Sky. I only played five or six games. I mean, it, it's a real testament to what other coaches think of him, and obviously what Jeff Choate thinks of him. Um, piling his, his his hand on the table for that. But up front, I mean, I really do think that that Bryce Dirk, Derek Marks, Chase Benson uh, are are three of the best defensive linemen in the country. And then you kind of have this rotating buckend that I've always called the catalyst for this whole season, and Amadre Williams, um, as well as a couple other guys that can kind of shuffle in there. But I think Amadre has been he's been the guy. I mean, he's truly a guy that is a is a down in down out FBS player that is having a productive season at their most important spot defensively. Um, I don't think Amadre will be scared, though he didn't see North Coast State last year. I mean, I don't think that there's, you know, a lot of Pac-12 teams that would that would scare him, let alone North Coast State. Um, so overall, I think that, that front seven is, is tremendous. And then on, on the back end, you know, the corners are, are going to be there, there could be some issues there. I think that Tyrell Thomas is a really good player. He's been shutting down guys. Damian Washington, they're playing at such a high level on the other corner spot. But Damian Washington has been subjected to some bad games in his career. He people pick on him. Uh, people go after him. You know, he had two picks against Albany. Well, it's because they were thrown at him kind of relentlessly. The only spot in the Bobcat defense where when you put on the tape, you're like, what the hell are we going to do? I guess we got to go at him. And while he's risen to the occasion, I was really impressed with North Dakota State's wide receiver number one, uh, Watson, Christian Watson, uh, Tampa, Florida kid. They took a lot of shots to him downfield against Illinois State. They got in the red zone two different times by taking deep shots to him. I think that'll be this, a very similar case. I could see the game playing out a lot like North Dakota State, Illinois State did, where both teams are happy to punt, and, and neither both teams feel in control even though they're only up three points. I could see the Bobcats you know, dragging this thing into deep water like they like doing, and North Dakota State being able to, you know, if, if things go right for them, fend them off in, in those deep waters. But I think Christian Watson is probably a catalyst for North Dakota State offensively, and the corner play will be so interesting to watch because we know the safeties can play. Corner play. It always is kind of that thing we saw last year against North Coast State and Eastern Washington in Frisco when we went down for the national championship game is when you have such a prolific running team, you do everything you can to stop the run, and all of a sudden the pass opens up. We saw against Albany did the same thing to Montana State. They stopped the run in some way, some fashion, however you want to consider it, and Tuckerovic has one of his most prolific games of his career. I think a very similar thing could happen here. Where both teams really shut down the run, and the passing game is going to kind of rely on who could pass the ball better that really that puts a lot of pressure on uh, Montana State corners. So we'll see. I think Damian Washington's a good player. I think Ty Okada is a great player at that nickel spot. So I think those guys are going to kind of be the uh, the turning point for the Cats. If, if they can have big games, the Cats have a chance to stay in it. We watched the Illinois State game last week, and they played just basically a base defense and just said, hey, let's play tough. Let's just stay gap sound and do our jobs. But you watch that Illinois State team, and they had a couple 320-pounders on the inside of the defensive line. And they had a 255-pound middle linebacker. And Montana State's great defensively, but they ha- they are much more built on speed than they are on mass. I mean, Chase Benson is as strong as an ox, but he's still 280 pounds, not 320. And Derek Marks is one of the quickest interior guys you'll find in the big in in the country, honestly. But he's 250 pounds. He's not 320 pounds. And you know, Nolan Askelson and Josh Hill, those guys are undersized inside linebackers. Do you worry about size being a factor when Montana State's trying to slow down North Dakota State's offense? I, I do, just because, you know, physics is, is a thing. You know, science plays. Just a, a force that's equal or greater than another will, will knock that force back. It's just kind of how it works. But 
I think that Montana State at this point, with some of these seniors, like you mentioned, Josh Hill, Brady Conkle, Derek Marks, I, mean, I think these guys, more than last year, are willing to die for this. I mean, it, like, it, not only metaphorically, I mean, I mean, seriously, like, they are willing to throw it all out there. So, at the end of the day, if another man wants it more, the size can be negated, and the Cats have done that a lot this year. Quick thoughts on the Weber State James Madison game. I know you've only barely seen James Madison, but what I've seen, they are unbelievably athletic and they're stacked across the board. They have a FBS drop down at quarterback and Ben DiNucci. They have two stellar running backs. They got an All American wide receiver. They got two All American defensive ends. They got an All American linebacker. They got multiple, perhaps, NFL prospect guys in their secondary. And they have the most resources and spending the most money on football of anybody in the FBS or in the FCS. Going against the Weber State team that let it all hang out against Montana last week and moved in the quarterfinals or in the semifinals, excuse me, of the FCS playoffs for the first time in program history. What's your take on the Weber State James Madison game? Well, James Madison pours a whole lot of money into it, and, and that's not a, uh, a, a, a. I'm not riding Jeff Choke's coattails on on the full full cost of attendance, the scholarship differentiation between teams like North Dakota State and Montana State and James Madison and Weber State. But I have to say this stat. What do I think of James Madison? I think they're the most talented team in the country. I think I think that they, them versus North Dakota State would be a, a clash of, of two giants, and I would probably put my money on James Madison. I have not seen them as much, but when I did see them, I thought Northern Iowa was really good this year. I watched almost half that game. And they just dominate. They are they are so physical and so dominant. They have such a they look like an FBS team. They just have the second linebacker that comes in is just this six three, two hundred and forty pound dude. It's just like who is this guy? And they have it across the board. But my stat that I want to say is that according to all of the of the, the federal government taxation of, of, of football budgets and blah blah blah, Weber State spends about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on football a year. It's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. James Madison spends about nine million. So there's a differentiation there. It's and it's large. James Madison as a as a school spends fifty one million dollars on athletics, whereas Weber State spends fourteen million. There's a difference. They run up they run a different style of program, they run a different style of athletic department. Does Weber State have a chance? I believe so, but I think it's a little bit of a similar as Montana State, though I think Montana State has has more in the tank. Um, offensively with Isaiah Fonse. I think Isaiah Fonse is more healthy than a guy like Josh Davis. Josh Davis, I don't know if he can compete with the big boys at that exact level, being kind of a slight guy who's much more of a West Coast-style running back. Um, I think Weber State has a puncher's chance as well, but I would definitely take James Madison. I think North Dakota State, Montana State's a much closer matchup than Weber and James Madison. Last question for you. How important is the true belief that you can win a national championship to winning a national championship? In other words... Weber State is at the highest of heights that the program has ever attained. So it would be easy for them to just say, you know, whatever happens, happens, but we already had the greatest season in school history. I think you saw it last week with Austin P. That team just kind of ran out of gas. They'd already accomplished the greatest thing their program had ever accomplished. Whereas North Dakota State, it's national championship or you or you failed. That's it. And so the expectation level is so much higher that the standard is so much higher. I think Montana State is bordering in the middle because they are on their best run in a generation. But also, I do think that they believe, and I do believe that the ceiling at North Dakota or at Montana State is a national championship. I mean, you could win a national championship at, at, at Montana State. I don't know if you could at, at Weber State. If you did, it would be a heroic feat. 
But what do you think of just that dynamic? How important is it to actually believe you can win a national championship to winning a national championship? I believe it's huge, and I agree. I agree with you. I don't think Weaver. I don't think this is their year. I don't know if they could do it. It's such a different culture and different program there in Utah, especially. You know, there's a lot of big players down there in Utah. There's a lot of big players within 50 miles of that campus in you know, Utah State and, and and BYU and and Utah, and you could go on and on. I, I think Weaver, you know, plays little brother syndrome a little bit, and it would be tough to win there. I think Montana State has a chance to win a national championship, and I do think it could be this year as well. They have a really talented team. and There's this element that I keep, we keep talking about. How do you end North Dakota State's dynasty? Not end it, but how do they end it? How does it end naturally? How does, what happens to derail them? At some point, the fear of losing might be bigger than the expectation of winning. Mm. And if you, if you get a team late in the fourth quarter, let's say Montana State is in the fourth quarter up 10-0, North Dakota State might panic because they've never been there. And that could be the catalyst of, we can't lose this thing. And if you do lose it, you're those guys. And that's a lot of pressure, especially for a freshman quarterback. Whereas Montana State, I think that they have an understanding, especially at the coaching staff, but I think throughout the team, that this is going to be the best team they have for a while. And I think they'll be good next year. And I think they'll be good for the foreseeable future, especially under Choate. But right now, when you have all these Washington dropdowns, you have like a bunch of seniors on defense. I think that they're very understanding that this is our chance. And you're playing with house money in some ways. So I think that there is that dynamic, and, and I'll be interested to see how that works out. I don't think that Montana State is scared, which they definitely were last year, which I think is a huge start. Big Sky Breakdown, Brooks Nuanez. He's going to have not one but two sons tomorrow. So everybody out there, if you see him, wish him congratulations. We, unfortunately, will not be making our way to Fargo, but I am optimistic that Shane Driscoll, our uh, guy who's been helping us with video, We'll be there, and we will have full coverage of this game no matter what. We just couldn't make it happen with just how hard it is to get to Fargo in the winter. But have no fear. We'll have you covered for every single element of Bobcat football this weekend. And from here forward, we've got a whole bunch of other recruiting stuff. I'm going to follow up with a bunch of these recruits next week. And we'll have a season recap. We're also putting together our Montana State All-Decade team that will roll out over the holidays as well. So stay tuned, SkylineSportsMT.com. And Brooksy, good luck with your big day tomorrow. Yep, uh, having a baby. Round two. It's exciting, and you know I will not be in North Dakota for a very specific reason, and I'm very proud of that reason. Uh, my last baby was born on the first day of Jeff Choate's tenure, and the college kickoff against Idaho drove all the way back from Moscow to have a baby. And this year, the last game of the season, uh, whether you want to look at it as the national championship being that or not, uh, we cover all bases of football at Skyline Sports. Front of the season to the end of the season, I'll be throwing birthday parties year round. Come on through. Football is still going. I can't believe it. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, indeed. Big Sky Breakdown presented by Town Pump. Town Pump, no matter where you're at in Montana, there's a Town Pump near you. If you're driving from Missoula or Bozeman or Billings or Miles City or Lewistown or anywhere in Montana to Fargo, you're going to have to stop at least twice before you get out of the great state of Montana. So make sure you stop at a Town Pump where they need some water or some snacks, maybe a little bit of uh, caffeine for your drive. Of course, you're going to need gas to make it the 1,000 miles that it is to Fargo, North Dakota. But no matter what you need for your road trip, hit up Town Pump. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a Town Pump near you. Town Pump, Montana's best since 1953. We go now to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in the quarterback of the once again undefeated North Dakota State Bison, Trey Lance. Trey, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. How are you? 
I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, we're certainly happy to have you, and I would expect you are doing pretty well because you are undefeated and into the semifinals once again, hosting Montana State uh, this week. We'll get into the game, but just the season on a whole, you were a red shirt last year. You played a couple of games, but this season taking over and, and being a freshman quarterback at North Dakota State, what's that experience been like for you? Oh, it's been really exciting. Uh, I'm sure you can imagine uh, just getting, you know, surrounded by, you know, these type of people that we have up here uh, and getting to play with, you know, I think some of the best players in all of SDS, uh, you know, whether it's offensively or defensively uh, or even special teams. Uh, I think that, you know, it's a really special place. Uh, you know, it's been flying by. I can't believe we're already, you know, 14 games in, uh, but it's been a ton of fun. Minneapolis not very far from Fargo. So when North Dakota State was recruit, first recruiting you, what did you like about the program and – when, when you are when a coaching staff can come to you and say, "Hey, we've we've won seven out of the last eight national championships, or I guess at that point six out of the last seven, and we win the Missouri Valley Football Conference every year, and all the stuff North Dakota State's accomplished." How intriguing is that as a recruit? Yeah, it was super exciting. You know, I'm sure you can imagine. Just uh, I'm from Marshall, Minnesota. So it's about three and a half hours, uh, you know, southwest Minnesota, um, which is also you know about forty miles from South Dakota State. Uh, so you know, it's a little different process uh, for me. Uh, but just obviously just them emphasizing that, you know, winning championships is, is the expectation here. You know, it's not just something that, you know, is a fluke when it happens or, you know, it's different when it happens. You know, it really is the expectation, uh, whether it's, you know, the people in the community uh, or, the, you know, the athletic program as a whole. Uh, I think that that's just one of the things that separated it for me. You know, obviously we have great community support. Uh, Bison Nation, you know, travels really well. Uh, and just, you know, that expectation, you know, rather than, you know, it being, you know, a, a rarity uh, here, I think separates us a lot. Trey Lance joining us. He's the quarterback in North Dakota State. North Dakota State hosting Montana State in the semifinals of the FCS playoffs. Noon on Saturday in the Mountain Time Zone, 1 o'clock local uh, there in Nor- in uh, Fargo. And, Trey, you know, there's a, obviously the success is unparalleled and a ton of players, great players, lots of guys going to the NFL from North Dakota State. But how big a deal was it for you to watch Carson Wentz specifically and the progression of his career as a quarterback and what he was able to develop into from that place? And how much influence did that have on, on your decision-making? Yeah, it's crazy just just to imagine that, you know, we've had great, you know, the last three, four guys that have, you know, had the opportunity to play at the next level. Uh, before me, you know, it's all the way back, you know, Brock Jensen, uh, all the way from Easton, you know, last year. Uh, obviously, you know, I, I'm happy where I'm at. You know, I no place I'd rather be in the world, and I think, you know, that had a lot to do with it um, in the recruiting process for me. Uh, obviously, just getting to meet Easton uh, when I'm being recruited here, just the type of person that he is uh, and how he goes about his business, you know, how he handles himself, you know, not even on the field, but just the type of person he is off the field, how he treats people. Uh, whether it's just, you know, little kids or, you know, fans in the community. Uh, just, you know, he, he's a person that I really try to follow, uh, and I think one of the biggest role models for me at that point. Uh, and then obviously Carson, seeing what he did, uh, is doing uh, in the NFL, uh, is obviously really exciting for, you know, everyone that followed him uh, in college. Uh, and just getting to meet him and, again, just seeing the type of person that he is off the field is, is a huge credit to him. It's so interesting looking at the quarterbacks in North Dakota State the last 10 years because Brock Jensen was a four-year starter, and he won 45-plus games. And Wentz was actually the one that started the least because he had that injury his senior year. I know Easton t- took over for him. But last year when Easton led you guys in the national championship game, became the winningest quarterback in the history of college football. Sitting behind a guy like that for a year, what did you learn just about the art of winning? Because I covered you guys four times last year. 
And there was times when maybe you didn't play your best ball, but then you'd always play your best late. And he was so good at leading you back. I mean, the national championship game itself, such a great example of that. So just the art of winning. What did you learn about that from Easton Stick? Yeah, I try to take everything from Easton, you know, whether it was stealing his notes uh, or just, you know, following him around in the offseason. Um, just the type of person that he is, the confidence that he carries. You know, when, when Easton's in the room, you know, everyone knows when he's in the room. It's just, just kind of this demeanor that he has uh, about himself and the way he carries himself. I think that's a big, big part of, you know, what we have going on here and then obviously just the culture that we have here. Uh, you know, whether it's Easton or, you know, all the way back from the coaching staff, uh, that's not here anymore. Just the type of people that they are uh, and just the confidence that they bring, you know, the calm confidence, the poise that they bring, uh, whether it's just a meeting room practice uh, and the same with the intensity, just the, the attention to detail, the intensity. Uh, I think those are the biggest things that, you know, I noticed being around Easton. Just watching your guys' program for the last 10 years, it's been interesting to watch the whole thing evolve, but when Coach Bull left for Wyoming, I think people wondered how this is the transition going to go. And Coach Kleiman comes in and does nothing but win. And now Coach Kleiman at Kansas State, he's doing a great job. But for you, a guy that came to play for a different coaching staff, but it's been similar coaches that hung around, especially with Coach Enns taking over after being the defensive coordinator. What's different about the program? What's the same about the program? And what was just you and the rest of the players' thoughts as Coach Kleiman transitioned out and, and Matt Enns took over as the head coach? Yeah, I think for the most part, everything is the same. Uh, you know, the program, the culture, uh, buys and pride, you know, the things that the program are really about uh, are the same, and I don't think they will change. You know, they haven't changed, you know, from the guys before us, and I don't think they'll change for the guys after us. Uh, but when Coach Kleiman left, obviously, you know, guys like me, um, you know, didn't know a whole lot, uh, maybe just didn't have as much contact with Coach Entz, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, just him being being the defensive coordinator and everything. Uh, but absolutely just nothing but confidence in him, you know, who he was going to find to replace, you know, guys like Coach Ray or Coach Messingham uh, and, you know, our um, athletic director, excuse me, uh, Mr. Matt Larson, just confidence in him. Uh, the, just, again, the type of person he is. Uh, and he was one of the first people that came and addressed, you know, the team uh, and talked to us and, you know, just, just kind of gave us the rundown. So I think, you know, the biggest thing was the, the transparency, uh, that you know our whole athletic program shared with us uh, as a team. You know when all that was going on last year, but you know I really don't think you know we've missed a beat. Uh, I love the new staff. Uh, it's hard to call them new staff now. It seems like they've been here for forever uh, already. But just the energy that they bring, you know, the experience that they have, even you know, even though even though they're such a young group. Trey Lance joining us. He's the quarterback for the North Dakota State Bison. And, uh, Trey, you guys kind of had to grind out a win last week against Illinois State, but got it done 9-3. And now you go against the number 5 team in the nation, and uh, in particularly uh, a defense that's playing at a very high level in Montana State. So when you look at this matchup uh, from your perspective as a quarterback, what do you see? A really talented team. Uh, I think they do their job really well. Uh, They do a really good job mixing up looks. Uh, and I guess they they play really hard. You know, they're confident defense, uh, and I think they're playing their best football right now, so we're definitely going to be, have to be ready to go. What's your evaluation of Montana State's defensive line? They were to put so much pressure on the passer last week against Austin Peace. So what do you think of that front four, and how do you think you guys match up? Yeah, they're big up front, uh, absolutely explosive, talented, uh, just a big group of guys. Uh, and I think, like I said before, you know, they do their job really well, uh, and they execute at a really high level. Uh, we're definitely going to have to be ready to go, you know, up front. Uh, I know Coach Bosick will have the offensive line ready to go, but, uh, you know, it's definitely going to be a challenge. Those are really good players. 
For for you in particular too, you're such a mobile guy. You you you're great with your legs. Eleven rushing touchdowns this year. But how how big a key do you think that becomes in a game like this? Where okay, you know maybe one thing's not working, maybe another thing isn't okay, and then you can get out and just make something positive happen. You know, in the flow of the game with your legs. Yeah, it's big. You know, it's just part of my game. Uh, I think it always has been. You know, I'm just gonna try to make plays, uh, whether it's with my arm or with my legs. Um, you know, just another another thing that you know defenses have to have to scheme against, prepare for, uh, and I'm sure they will be. It's so fascinating because you guys have had a 33-game win streak before. Now you're on a 34-game winning streak. Is there any pressure that comes associated with continuing to be undefeated? I mean, you guys have been undefeated for years now. What's, what does it take to handle just all the things of having everybody take their best shot at you every weekend? Uh, to be honest with you, it's not something that we talk about uh, at all in the program or, you know, guys on the team you know I, I didn't even know to be honest with you that it was whatever you just said 34 um yeah it's just not something that's talked about we really just focus on going one and know every single week uh so we got to get ready for montana state go one and this week well trey this is uh we've been a fun season to watch you and the team once again and kind of the latest iteration of north dakota state has been fantastic we look forward to this game on saturday i know it's going to be a ton of fun have a great game and we appreciate the time all right absolutely thank you guys so much we go now to the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. We welcome in senior defensive end for the Montana State Bobcats, Derek Marks. Derek, thanks so much for being with us, man. Congratulations on an absolutely dominant performance, both by you individually and as a, as a collective group uh, last Friday. And, uh, and what was that game like for you in the quarterfinals of the national playoff to have that sort of performance in front of a home crowd on a Friday night? Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, obviously, the atmosphere was electric and and being able to play at night was a lot of fun and uh yeah it was it was a great atmosphere fun game to play in fun game to prepare for and uh, obviously a big game uh having a home quarterfinal game and uh a lot on the line and in terms of a trip to the semifinals and it was great we just had a great week of preparation we had a great uh game plan going into the game and uh we just executed really well and I think we got hot early. We kind of shut shut them down early in that first quarter, and that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game um, moving forward. And so we are just able to keep that same energy, that same momentum, and the same focus uh, throughout all four quarters. So that was, that was really good to see. From our seat, just watching the Montana State football program evolve like it has over the last four years has been quite honestly fascinating. And you get this guy that comes in with all this energy in Jeff Choate, and he lays yeah. his vision out there for everybody, and he he doesn't never mm-hmm. he never keeps a secret from anybody. He tells you everything <laughs> that you want to know and everything uh, about what he envisions for the program. But he's he's talked so much about the incremental progress he's wanted you guys to make. And then I know after mm-hmm. last year when you lose in the first round or in the second round of the playoffs to North Dakota State, never mm-hmm. again. You guys are never going to lose like that again. But now that it's coming to fruition, now that you've put in twelve full months of work and you get another chance to go to Fargo. What's it been like to navigate the last year of this journey and get another chance at NDSU? Yeah, it feels good. It just, you know, it feels good to accomplish things that we say we want to accomplish. And I think a lot of people can, you know, say they have goals and a lot of teams and programs say they have goals, but uh, get the same results each year. But like you said, we've had incremental progress each year and it's just been a fun, fun thing to be a part of. And uh, obviously coach Choate's the head of that and he's, He's been a great leader for us. Um, and then in terms of another shot at NDSU, yeah, we're just excited uh, to get back there. I think we're a different team. I think they're a different team. Um, I, 
think we're playing with a lot of confidence, playing really hot right now. So we're excited to go in there on, on, on the big stage, uh, playing against the, the number one team in the country. And, and like, yeah, like we talked about with all these big games, it's the same game. We just got to prepare, uh, be ready to go out and execute the game plan and, and make plays when they, when they really matter. So we can't wait for it. Derek, it seems like a lot of teams, you know, will be happy to not play North Dakota State uh, as long as they don't have to. It has felt mm-hmm. exactly the opposite for you guys, though, to me. Am I wrong about that, or have you had this circle to say we want the Bison again? Yeah, no, yeah, we want we want whoever they put in front of us, and and we're a hungry team. Um, but like like Coach Chote's telling us, it's all about us. Uh, it's all about the guys in the room, and and yeah, I, I'm just thankful for for the opportunity to be playing in the semifinals and, and playing, playing these big games. And um, obviously we don't want it to end here and, and we want more than just a semifinal win. So yeah, they're just the next, next team up and, and we couldn't be more excited to uh, yeah, go to Fargo. So What do you, what have you thought of just North Dakota state's dominance overall? Cause you're a guy that's followed FCS football for a long time, growing up in Belgrade, mm-hmm. following the cats. I'm sure you remember 2010 playoffs mm-hmm. when North Dakota State rallied and, and beat Montana State. What do you yeah. think of just this juggernaut that they've created? Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Um, you know, everybody talks about dominating, but they've they've done it over and over and over. And uh, yeah, it's just impressive to watch. It's it's uh, <clears throat> yeah. I just I, I think they're the standard a little bit in terms of that's like you said. Everybody wants a shot at them and kind of like Alabama or Clemson or those big teams in the FBS. But, uh, yeah, we're, I mean, it just makes, makes playing them that much more fun. And, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty impressive. So I think that's kind of what everyone is shooting for, but obviously we're, we're kind of trying to get there in a little bit different fashion. Uh, like, like we were talking about with the incremental progress each year. So, Derek Marks joining us. He's a senior on the defensive line for Montana State out of Belgrade, a local kid uh, playing for the Bobcats. And when it comes to the game on the field, uh, Derek, mm-hmm. last week, uh, Illinois State, they played a great defensive game, held NDSU without a touchdown, held it to just nine points. Is there something that you can see on film that maybe they did that you might be able to replicate? And also, just in general, what do you need to do when they do have such a great offense and a, and a great dual-threat quarterback? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what stands out to me about them is just their offensive line and their physical guys. They're they're big guys that can move really, really well, and you can just tell they're they're really well coached. Um, and it seems to have always been like that. So they always have a great offensive line. And um, but yeah, in terms of Illinois State, I think what we saw is they just use their hands really well. They were physical off the ball, um, and that's that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to be physical. We can't get out of our gaps. We can't just let them wash us down and create big holes uh, for their, their running backs to, to hit because that's when, you know, they get six yards of carry or whatever they're averaging. So we got to use our hands, be physical, play in the backfield, and, and see what we can do. Like Coach Schultz said, what do you say when you talk about analyzing this team? I mean, they've won 140 out of their last 150 games. They've won seven out of the last eight national championships. They've, they've mm-hmm. been almost untouchable. I mean, they're on a 34-game winning streak. But – as a competitor, how do you not let that stuff get in the way? How do you not be intimidated by the monster that is North Dakota State? Yeah, I think I think a lot of it is just we saw it. We saw the the brand. We I think they beat a lot of teams just based off their reputation, and 
I think teams, yeah, I think it's a mental thing, and and thankfully we've been there, we've we've experienced it, and now it's time to ignore that and put it behind us, and it's time to like Coach Chote has, has been talking about, ignore ignore the hype around us as well, and uh, we got to prepare and, and try to play our best football, and that's how you beat great teams is by playing your best game, and uh, so we can't worry about you know the noise down there, we can't worry about their reputation, what they've done in the past, because it's it's all about winning on Saturday. And same thing for them, you know. They're just because they've won in the past doesn't mean that they just you know automatically get handed the win. So they have to go play the same game, and so we're excited to step on the field with them. Derek, on the outside, everybody talks about this through the lens of of NDSU. What do you got to do to beat the Bison and this, that, and the other? But is there a level at mm-hmm. which this team right now goes? NDSU has no idea what they are getting into by playing us on Saturday. Like, is that a mentality that that is is prevalent inside of those walls at Montana State right now? Yeah, I think uh, we just want to play with a lot of confidence, come in there with you know confident football, and um, yeah, like I said though, it's a, we don't win games on Saturdays. We win games by out preparing our opponent and. Um, yeah, so it comes down to beating them on Monday practice, beating them on Tuesday practice. And we, we say that for every opponent. How can we beat these guys, you know, in our in period seven at Wednesday practice? So it's just the urgency that we talk about, the urgency that we have in our preparation, the urgency that we have in, you know, watching them on film, taking care of our bodies, making sure we're, we're ready to go. Because uh, we can't control anything that they do. We can't control um, their preparation, how they play, but we can control what we do. And so it's all about us. It's all about putting the game plan together and and then on Saturday just going out and beating the guy across from us and, and executing. Well man, congratulations on what's already been a fantastic year, but it's uh it's not done yet, so keep it rolling. Best of luck to you on Saturday. We're looking forward to the game, all right? Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks guys. So uh North Dakota State, just kinda what are your thoughts on them? Haven't seen them on for a little bit. Just kinda what's the other team Very good team. Um very solid D line, linebackers and secondary. Uh they don't got any weak links in terms of their defense. Ninety uh, one's a great player. Uh, Forty two is a great player in their safety. Number six, he can fly around and make some plays. What do you remember from last year's trip? Just about the atmosphere, maybe that game. Um, remember, it was a loud atmosphere. Um, honestly, I was signaling most of the time, but yeah, that was like the big thing that I remember is just the um, how loud the environment was, and I mean, we're already starting to adjust to that by making all of our cadences different this week. Last week, you had a loud crowd with you guys yeah, yeah how, do, how does a loud crowd now that they're going to be loud when you're on the field how does that affect how you guys play um honestly i'm going to say it's not going to really affect us that much i mean we know uh needs to get done and uh we're practicing all week for a loud crowd we'll have we have stadium noise every single day um through the uh speakers so we're getting used to it and that affect communication i suppose uh and our communication is very simple this week when it comes to that how are, how are you feeling just, uh, you know, being the quarterback of this team, go, going as far as it has uh, for the first time in, in more than three decades? Feeling good. I mean, um, I feel like the reason why I've had a lot of success the past couple months is we take this um, one game at a time. Um, I would say everybody on this team, we're not looking at as the, as the semifinals. We're looking at it as another game and another opportunity to play with each other, and we want to keep on going forward. How big a difference is just the offensive line being um, an improved you know, throughout the season? Uh, huge difference. Um, I can always count on them, uh, especially like these past couple months. I have all the time in the world dropping back to pass, and that's all credit to them. 
how do you not let this kind of game um, intimidate you with a team that's gone on such a good run? And do you see it as a cool opportunity to maybe make some national noise? I mean, that's what I see it as. I see it as an opportunity. Um, not looking at it as the semifinals or, hey, you're one game away from the big one. I'm just looking at it as like another game. I mean, I feel like that was like the big thing for me with when we played um, Missoula was, yeah, that's a big game. That was my first one. I just had to stay poised and calm during the um, whole thing. And that's what I felt like I've been doing the past couple of months. How nice is it to have the stress of school off this week? <laughs> just focus solely on football. That's honestly probably the best thing about this week so far is solely the fact that, yeah, I don't have to worry about school. Um, and also the fact that we get to sleep in a little bit later. Usually we have morning practices, and so now we get to sleep in and have practice or meetings start at 9 instead of 7 o'clock. So it's definitely nice. Can you say about just the run that Isaiah has been on the last few weeks and how much that's helped things? He's a hard man to stop. He's uh, – remember going into the game last week on uh, Friday morning, uh, he had these gloves on and they were just like black latex gloves and we were all just making fun of him and uh, I go, what's that for? He was like, I'm feeling dangerous. And yeah, that's really what he is. He's, he's dangerous. And what did you see from him when he was you know, dealing with his injuries? Just kind of how did he keep contributing to the team? Um, he's just a guy that was always at practice, always encouraging the other um, running backs, like even though he wasn't in and he was hurt, uh, he was just a huge um, contributor and just encouraging all our teammates, making us stay positive. How would you describe his running style? Uh, downhill and aggressive. Yeah, he's just a guy that's hard to take down. Um, he, thing with him, I think he just has that mindset. He doesn't want to get taken down by one guy. He wants to get taken down by the whole defense. You and Kevin Castus have seemed to be in such a good rhythm the last four or five weeks. What can you say about his play during that stretch? Uh, he's been big time. Um, he makes some catches that you probably don't even really see on ESPN top 10. He's just a guy I can always count on to um, come down with the ball. What's he like kind of off the field, just you know, working with him as a receiver and getting that chemistry with him? I would say actually that's like the biggest improvement he and I have made the past month and a half is just he and I off the field. Um, like when we're in the big games, when it's rather be Cat Grizz or last week, we always just are talking to each other on the sideline, like, hey, stay poised, like, hey, let's go make that play. Um, I have a lot of confidence in him, and he has confidence in me, which helps. That corner fades last week, what, what just kind of what do you see? Um, I like the matchup. The safety is more rolled down on that side than he was on the other side. Um, and I remember I saw Kevin um, route the guy up, and – I almost started laughing like how bad it was, and so I just chucked it in the air, and yeah, made a great play. <laughs> and yeah, I think he's top five in like catches and receiving mm -hmm. yards yeah. now here. Uh, you know, just kind of what does that say about him and kind of his career dependability? Uh, very dependable. It just shows he's not a guy that's made plays just his senior year. He's been a guy, like I remember uh, my senior year of high school, um, watching him um, on TV, just making the plays that he was. I remember his throw against UC Davis, and I was like, yeah, this dude's a playmaker. I can't wait to play against him or play with him. Um, you mentioned number 91, their D-end. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit more about him and, and the problems he, he can pose. Uh, he's just a guy that has a relentless motor. He does not take plays off. Um, he uh, will, He's a great pass rusher, and also he's um, great with the run, too. He's just a guy that will not take any plays off or tap his head to get a sub in. He just keeps on going 100% every time, and I respect that. How would you describe their defense kind of schematically? Is it something that you've seen before? Is it is it relatively base defense? What would you I would describe say it's as? a relatively base defense. Yeah. Um, they definitely have some wrinkles in it, and they do a great job disguising coverage. That's something I've really noticed the past um, three days, like even watching on Saturday. They do a great job disguising coverage. But, yeah, um, they do a really good job with – 
just their base defense and their base calls, and then they'll add little twists to it um, every so often. Would you cons- would you characterize them as a high pressure team? Do they blitz a lot, or is it more of that front four that kind of gets that done? Um, I'd say it's the front four that more gets that done. Um, as far as pressure goes, I don't think. Well, statistically, they don't pressure as much as some of the other teams in, like, the Big Sky, for instance. Like, um, Missoula, they'll pressure a lot. Um, and But, yeah, it's just really their front four that um, really gets the push off the line. You can certainly attest to the notion that um, running game is the quarterback's best friend. So yeah. um, how much has that just helped you along the last – half of this season a lot a lot just especially like with the different types of run games we we have like we'll have um jet motions we'll have outside zone inside zone um power it's just we have a lot of different variations and we're doing well at that so coach Jones talked so much about this being such a team and everyone having a role how much has everyone been contributing taking some of the pressure off you as kind of the lead man at quarterback um yeah everyone's been contributing towards that like that's the nice thing about this team is it's not a team where one guy gets all the glory. It's a team where uh, we have a bunch of different playmakers around on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball, and we're just doing like our 111th. Um, and yeah, just, you can always count on the guys. No matter how far you may go, there's always one just down the road. Down come who? Pump it up! Pump it up! Grab a drink and a protein snack for a deal. Town Pump is offering Sierra Nevada and New Belgium 12-pack cans or bottles for $14.99 and four ounces of Jack Link jerky for $4.99. Town Pump Food Stores, proud to be part of our community. Town Pump.